And it's one of the reasons why I need to share this word with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, and I don't know if you can see that clearly, they've helped out uh, so you can see a little bit better, but I'd like you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 33. And we'll get to this verse eventually. But I want to begin by just sharing a word with you from my heart this morning in my life personally and particularly from the standpoint this morning as a pastor, obviously I look to the Lord God himself for direct direction and leadership um, in my life and, and be able to lead this body of Christ. And his leadership obviously is up and above everything, it's not even a close second. But the Lord does use others in our lives. And I was blessed, as some of you know, not all in this service, mostly in the early service, uh, with a pastoral mentor. And his name was Reverend James Ellenberg, uh, known better by most as simply Preacher E. And I certainly was blessed with a man of wisdom. A godly man, obviously, if you knew him, but a man of incredible wisdom. And uh, I turned to him often. And one of the words of wisdom that he shared with me early in my ministry was simply this. He said, it is going to be necessary sometimes in the work that you do for the Lord as a pastor in a local assembly of believers such as we have here at Washington Baptist Church, where it's going to be important for you to speak directly, speak straightforward and share with the people, tell the people and simply trust the God. These are one of these times. This is one of these moments where uh, I need to really just pour my heart out to you, uh, particularly in light of where we are and where we need to go as the body of Christ. At the beginning of this decade, and moving forward to around the middle of this decade, which we will conclude in a year or so, um, we were growing. Uh, great things were happening. People uh, were coming to know Christ. Uh, we could see the hand of God. Opportunities were opening up, and we were going forward, and we all felt strong uh, in our faith, we were settled as a body of Christ and we were sure of our direction. Then we began to be confronted with a series of challenges, diverse challenges. And I emphasize the word diverse. And uh, we handled many of these challenges well, but we handled some of them not so well. And when these type of challenges come, and it's not necessary for me to go into the details of these, but when these challenges come, a lot of times it rocks the ship, if you know what I'm talking about. And when the ship is rocking, then uh, people begin to struggle. And some make choices to go an entirely different direction in their life. Others get discouraged. Others feel defeated. And the bottom line as we're thinking about our fellowship here today is it comes to that point where, to be honest with you, right now we're not as strong in the faith as we were. We're not as settled as a body of Christ as we were. 
and we're not totally sure the direction that we are going. Does that mean that, that good things are not happening? Oh, absolutely not. Awesome things are happening. There are diversity of people who are just giving their heart and soul to the Lord here in ministry and, and uh, God is blessing. Opportunities are still right in front of us. Uh, Brother Sam Couch was just sharing. Uh, one of those in terms of our upward ministry, we have so many others. And so it's not that we don't see the hand of God. It's not that good things are not happening. And, and I'll share this with you. I boast often in the Lord for the way this fellowship responds to when people are in crisis, when people are in great need, when people just need to be loved and comforted and taken care of because they're going to a, through a season in their life that is just literally overwhelming to them. And I just want to praise the Lord. This body of Christ is absolutely phenomenal in responding to those. So I want you to understand something. I'm not saying that they're not good things happening, but I'm saying this, the Lord God wants us to be honest. He wants us to be transparent as to where we are and what we need. And I just wanna share with you the truth that today, and when we look at the spiritual health of our, of our body and our fellowship, we're not as strong in the faith as we were. We're not as settled as, as the body of Christ as we were. And we're still not really certain. As the, we're not sure totally of what the future holds. And it's this reality that the Lord laid upon my heart back in January. Well, I shared with you our focus this year is on praying for revival and preparing for rain. Ten months later, I can share with you that I'm still, to be honest with you right now, I'm not clear as to tell you what your thoughts are on this. Some things I pretty well can see. Some things I understand, I am able to observe and I see and I, I talk to folks and I think as the body of Christ, I think we understand we need an extraordinary movement of the hand of God and among us to revive us, to, uh, uh, to refresh us, to restore us. We, we need this awesome work of God by his grace through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think as part of that, we understand how important it is for us to be praying for revival. We, we sung a hymn in the early service. Some of you would know it. Some of you younger ones probably wouldn't even know this hymn. But it's showers of blessings that songs that I have sung all of my life as I have grown up in the body of Christ that what maybe they never understood, maybe they did, but that whole hymn is about pleading for revival, pleading for the showers of blessings that we need. And so I think it's the body of Christ, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel pretty comfortable with understanding you know we need to be praying and pleading for revival. That extraordinary move of the hand of God amongst us. But it appears to me that we truly haven't grasped 
and wrapped our mind around preparing for rain. You see, rain, just to remind you, is that symbol of the outpouring of God's blessings. It's that the rain is that, that picture of him, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and, and, and that which comes, the blessings that come with that. But, you know, when you see that word preparing, you know, that tells me that, well, there's a part we play in all this. How essential is it to pray for revival, plead for God's extraordinary movement? Absolutely essential, but there is a part that we play, and that part that we play in this outside of praying is preparing for rain. But somehow or another, we haven't gotten a hold of that because what does it mean to prepare? Well, it means to get ready for an expected event. Do I have a witness on that? Or what does it mean to say we are preparing for? That means we're doing what we need to be doing and, and intensely and passionately so that when that expected event comes, whatever it, however it looks like, then we get to enjoy the fullness of the blessings of that event. Earlier this week, a brother in Christ asked the question that's been burning in my heart and soul since he first asked it. And I want to present it to you. Are we preparing for rain well, are we preparing for death? Let me word it this way. If we're not preparing for rain, if we're not getting ready for that expected event, if we're not doing the things passionately that we need to be doing so that when that expected event comes, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the extraordinary work of the hand of God, if we're not preparing for rain, are we then by default preparing for death? haven't been able to get away from that question. And so I, I just began to cry out to God, where, where do we start? Because I'm going to tell you, preparing for death is absolutely, totally unacceptable. Do I have a witness on that? I mean, we really had no other choice, do we not? As the body of Christ, the King of Kings, we were just rejoicing over and praying for. We... Preparing for death by default is not even an option. So I just said, Lord, where do we start? And another mentor in my life came to mind, and that was my mom. Because my mom taught me and Steve that the real key to life ultimately starts, are you listening, say amen? Starts with the attitude in my heart. 
Why? Because the attitude reveals the reality of my state of mind. Attitude reveals the condition of my heart. You, you've heard the old saying, what's down in the well is going to come up in the bucket. Do I have a witness on that? So the other morning, I'm one of these that 99% of the time, I'm going to wake up before the alarm goes off. You set the alarm, I don't know why, we set the alarm, but I'm going to wake up before the alarm, generally about 30 minutes or so before the alarm. It just happens. And I'm able to look at the clock and say, oh, yeah, I can lie here and just enjoy this just for a little while. But what I do a lot of times is I start thinking, I want to get my heart and mind focused going the right direction. And so I think about uh, my life verses. I have one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. I've shared those with you before, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 in the Old Testament. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Or in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives within me. And the life that I'm living in the flesh that is in this day and this time, here on earth, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and laid his life down for me. And so a lot of times I just start thinking about it and repeating those verses in my mind just to get me focused for actually putting my feet on the floor. The other morning I was, I was just praying in my spirit, Lord, I need a word. Where do we start? How do we even begin to examine our attitude? the nature of my attitude, the nature of our attitude. And it was one of those mornings where a tune, just like that, came up in my mind. And I thought, I know that tune. None of the words were coming to me, but it just the, the tune was there, and I'm thinking, where have, where have I heard this? And then as I began to think and just kind of in my spirit go along with that tune, then the words began coming back to me. And, and uh, the words were, it's a simple course. Listen, this was a song I heard for the first time probably 45 years ago. 45 years ago when I was in college at the University of South Carolina, and you can add that up so you know how, basically how old I am. I can tell you it's probably been 30, 35, 40 years since I've heard this song before, again. There's only one place this song came from. That was the spirit of the Lord. I, there was nothing to stimulate that in my mind except the spirit of the Lord reminded me of it. The words of that chorus, word for word, is Matthew chapter six, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Just like that. I knew where we needed to start. We need to start, I need to start. I'm asking each of you to start. If 
We're going to prepare for rain. We're not accepting anything else but that. We're going to start examining our attitude. And, and, and for the next three or four weeks, here's what we're going to examine. Our attitude toward our fellowship with God. Our attitude toward the family of God. Our attitude toward the focus of God. Right now, today, for this last few moments we have. I want to ask you to join me and examine your heart, the attitude of your heart toward your fellowship with God. Now, this is a word that Jesus gives here in Matthew chapter 6, and this is for followers. This is not for those who haven't yet come to that point where they've recognized who Christ was, what he did for them, and and there to receive him as Lord and Savior. This is a word to me. This is a word to you as followers of Christ. And, And this word is, what is really, really your attitude toward your fellowship with God? You have a relationship with him, a personal relationship through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, this in verse 33 he says seek first his kingdom seek ye first the kingdom of God think about that word seek that means there's something got to start here the initiative starts here the attitude of my heart That word seek carries with it an understanding of intensity, an understanding of of, of being passionate. In fact, when you look in the scripture, is it not clear? We looked at this the other day, about three weeks ago, in terms of our, our hope in the Lord in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 12 or verse 13, where it says, seek ye, where the Lord says, you will seek me and you will find me when? Seek me with what? Oh, your heart. The initiative starts with me. In my heart. And it's passionate. With all my heart. In fact, this word is written in what we call the present tense imperative, which means this is a persistent, passionate seeking of God. First, uh, Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. How many times and probably you have heard this, at least those of you like me who had the blessing of, of being raised in church and hearing this verse when, quote, as Baptists, we talk about revival. We always go to this passage, do we not? Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and what? Seek my face. I'm asking you. What's your attitude toward your fellowship with God? What is our attitude towards passionately and persistently seeking to connect with God, commune with God, seek counsel from God, and listen, let God confront you. Why are we here? Not just as believers in Christ. Let's think about this in the body of Christ. Are, are we here just to have a service? 
If that's the only reason we're here, we're here for the wrong reason. You don't need just to have a sermon. That's easy. We can just pull out some songs and put it in some type of order and give it to you. You don't need another sermon. I don't need to give you a sermon. Listen, I go on Amazon and I can pull down a hundred sermons and just kind of lay them out there for you. We need a word from God. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't want to give you a sermon. I want to give you a word, but I got to receive that word first. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus writing to the church, right? Remember, letter he wrote, church in Laodicea. He said, hey, I'm standing at the door. And I'm knocking. Now, what does that tell us up front? Well, obviously there's no fellowship going on. (laughs) He's on the outside. And he said, look, I'm knocking at the door. And if, if any one of you would just take time to listen and you hear me and you open the door and invite me in, we're gonna connect. And we're gonna commune. And I'll be there to give you counsel. I'll be there to confront you with the things I need out of love to confront you with. And he wrote that to those he called lukewarm. And how did he describe describe his feelings toward those who, quote, are followers of Christ, but they're lukewarm? He said, oh, by the way, you know what? Kind of making me sick. Because here's what's happening. Here's what was happening in Laodicea. They were treating the Lord like a water fountain. What do you mean by that? What do we use water fountains for? We go by, get a quick sip, keep on going. Just get a sip of water and keep on going. That's what we use water fountains for. The Lord says, you know what? You're treating me that way. You just, every once in a while, you get a good sip of water. That's good. That keeps you going for the next week or two. Or maybe even you're, you're, he says, like when you come together to worship, you just come and get a good sip of water, you're good for the rest of the week. He says, No. What you've got is, listen to me, only a shell of what you're supposed to be having, what you're supposed to be experiencing. It's just a shell of being a follower of Christ. I'm, I'm looking for those who are passionately and persistently seeking me. encounters with me, purposely connecting with me, communion with me, seeking my counsel and letting me in love and grace confront them with the realities of their life. See, this is where it starts. Outside, that's all we have is this shell 
of Christianity in our lives and we're missing so much because it's empty on the inside. It looks good on the outside, but it's empty on the inside because it says, I want you to seek first. And by the way, that first word first means not a priority. It is the priority of our lives. We cannot prepare for rain. We're not going to be ready for the rain, for the event that we see coming maybe personally in our life or even as the body of Christ until we settle this issue of our attitude toward our fellowship with God. Are we preparing for rain? Are you preparing for rain? Or are you preparing for death? Which is it? And you'll walk with the Lord. And then I walk with the Lord as the body of Christ. This is where it starts. Right here, today. Today. Because preparing for death, not even an option, can't be an option for your life. Here's what happened. All these temptations that came to this young girl and the drama that you saw will eventually get to you. Eventually get to you. And the Lord is reaching, pulling, trying to find, trying to get you to come back. But you don't have what you need to make it back. Because you've never been serious, really serious about your attitude to meet God. where we start today. So I want you to bow your heads. Close your eyes.